Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, it's 1233 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you, Oilers Now. Derek Scott is helping us uh, put the show together along with Brendan Escott, who's got a countdown to the kickoff a little bit later on for the uh, 0-9 Edmonton Elks, who uh, have a are in the search for an interim CEO, and then we'll be hiring a full-time CEO. It's been a tough year in the football front. Now, the Oilers obviously in a completely different position, seen as a preseason consensus uh, favorite by many to be in the mix to win the Stanley Cup, a top 16. Our next guest, well, Michael Rupp, will ask him about that momentarily, but not before we revisit our Oilers Now trivia question. The Minto Cup is in Edmonton. It's the Memorial Cup of uh, Junior Lacrosse takes place Sunday to Sunday out at Bill Hunter Arena, the city's uh, west end. And our trivia question for our friends at Pro-Am Sports Fan Cave and Fan Gear Specials for all budgets in Edmonton on St. Albert Trail and ProAmSports.ca. Can you name the two Oilers Hall of Famers who played a fair amount of lacrosse as kids? And the correct answer was Derek Scott. We got Wayne Gretzky and Paul Coffey. And the winner via the text line on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. That's Aaron. All right. Nicely done, Aaron. Uh, you get a $50 GC from Pro-Am Sports. As we go to our Oilers Now headliner for Wilhock Beef Jerky, it's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Trent and the staff at Wilhock. Uh, we hook up with a former NHLer, a highly entertaining guy in the NHL network. A uh, little bit old school in how he sees the game to be played which is part of the reason why we like having him on the show. Uh, we welcome back Mike Rupp. Mike, it's Bob Stoffer. How you doing? What's up, Bob? Yeah, us old school guys got to stick together a little bit, right? So, well, you, what, if you uh, could be, what if you could be old school and appreciate the occasional scrap and still have time for analytics, which is seen new school? You know what I mean? Like, Can, can I, you, you know be a renaissance a man? Fan. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the new school. I'm a big fan of the new school, but I also know you got to have a tinge of the old school to win a Stanley Cup. And I experienced that, and and uh, when you see teams get it done, you can you can kind of see like yes, the games change, but you still need you still need certain things. Certain things will never change, and uh, that's what we love about the game of hockey. Well, look, uh, it's still a little, and I, we are in the off season, uh, but the reality is, I remember Elliot Friedman, who as you know does this show on a weekly basis, and he said before the Edmonton Vegas series, he goes, Bob. I think right now this is for the Stanley Cup. Whoever wins this series is going to win the Cup. And so there's still uh, not moaning, but more like frustration, missed opportunity, 2-2 in the series. Edmonton out shooting uh, Vegas 75-53 to in the final two games, but the Vegas Golden Knights found a way, and then they got up 3-0 on Dallas and coasted and got up, uh, you know, took out Florida in five. Do you agree or disagree with the sentiment that once maybe Boston and Tampa, teams that knew how to win and have won in the last five years, and Colorado, once those teams got out, was Vegas and Edmonton ultimately the winner of that series going to be the team that won the Cup? Yeah, I think so. I, You know, I, I compare it to the experience that I had back in 2003 where in the Eastern Conference Finals, um, it was us, the Devils, versus the Ottawa Senators, and the Ottawa was absolutely loaded. They, they were 
for the most part, the, the entire regular season, they were a better team than us even, but they were they were loaded, right? And then um, out west, do you remember, that was the year where I think it was Minnesota-Anaheim in the Western Conference yeah. Final. And, yeah. and it was two low-seeded teams where you, you felt like, all right, whoever wins this in the East is going to win the Stanley Cup. Although, when we went to the finals, no, they, the, the, the Ducks were no slouch, right? They went seven games with them. So, but I, I feel the same way this past year when you're watching, when you're seeing these teams go out, you're like, okay, like this is uh, the big dogs here is that Edmonton and Vegas series. So yeah, I, I fully agree with that. It's that statement. You know what I remember about that series that you won a cup with New Jersey in an 03 was obviously Scott Stevens uh, crushing Korea. Korea came back, even came back in that game and scored, but Sometimes when there's a huge hit, Rafi Torres in 06 knocking Mahalik out of the series, even when a guy comes back, I'm not sure he necessarily comes back at 100%. You had that guy on your team, Scott Stevens, and I was a Lindros fan, right? I liked Lindros, and we all know what he did to him. But you have that guy sitting there, that menace on defense, that minister of defense, and at any time he can change a game or indeed a series, can he? Yeah, I mean, Scotty, I was, I was glad that we uh, that I was fortunate enough to be on his team and not the other, right? So I, I can tell you so many different times. I remember Jay Pandolfo used to always joke around about it, but if you go back and you look at Scotty's premier hits, I guess the highlight reel hits of his career, and you named a couple of them there, it's always like Jay Pandolfo's on the back check in a lot of them. <laughs> and, and Jay used to say, like, I'd be back checking and I'd be right on the guy's hip and then all of a sudden it'd be the guy would cut across and he's like he would just almost like pull the shoot like just get out of there because you knew that absolute chaos was coming uh from the weak side defense which was usually scotty so uh but, but, but kind of a funny thing i guess funny which way you, you want to look at it because that was obviously a very serious thing with with korea and he had some some head issues after that but uh in that game so we lost that game that was game six and korea comes back which i i've never i I'm not trying to be funny, facetious. Like I, I thought it was bad. Like I was like, I don't know if this guy's going to get up for quite some time, right? So right. Gets up, leaves the game, comes back, scores that goal. We're on the bus going to the airport, and Scotty was obviously a veteran on the team, but he sat towards the front of the bus. I was a rookie. I was doubled up, sitting across the aisle on the bus with Scotty. He's got the little light above him. He's reading the book, and I lean over to him. We're heading to the airport in California to go back for Game Seven. I go, Hey, Scotty, I'm like, man, you really, uh, you really got him there, huh? And Scotty kind of closes his book. He leans in, and he looks at me, and he goes, you know what, Rupper? I, honestly, I let up at the last second. I'm like, oh, my God. You let up at the last second. So uh, that, to me, was like, all right, well, we're in good hands here. Like, this guy sent the message. The middle of the ice is, is not uh, negotiable, and, um, you know, we end up winning game seven. We're joined by the NHL Network's Michael Rupp. He played over 600 games in the National Hockey League, a former first-round draft pick. Reinvented himself, was willing to engage, but he could play the game as well, and that was part of it. Hey, just, it's interesting. You win the Cup in 03. Uh, and I know we've had you tell a story, especially when uh, Untold came out about it. What was it, a year ago, maybe? Uh, the Danbury Thrashers. It's quite a remarkable story. You were part of a very eclectic and unique group of uh, individuals in the U-Haul that year during the lockout year, weren't you? <laughs> I sure was. I sure was. I uh, I didn't necessarily know what I was getting into. That was during that lockout year. Um, I thought that eventually we'd be playing, even if it was half a year. So when the season got canceled... 
there wasn't many opportunities overseas. I, I didn't do that right away. Uh, those spots were kind of filled up, and there was an opportunity. Uh, I had a friend call me and just say, hey, this this owner of the United Hockey League team wants to win a championship. He's looking to uh, bring some players, some NHL players in. And um, it was a great scenario for me as far as just being able to go in. And basically, I just played games. I, I only needed to play 10 regular season games to qualify for the playoffs. So I'd, I'd practice with the Erie Otters of the Ontario Hockey League at home. That's where I was living. And I'd fly in every other weekend and play some games. And uh, But you end up getting there and seeing this roster, <laughs> all the uh, just uh, – I mean, just some of the toughest guys I've ever seen play the game. It was like a throwback to a slap shot. You know, it's it's what it felt like. It was, it was the, I guess, the most close thing I can ever imagine is is being a player during that time, or even in the in the '70s in the NHL. So uh, it was quite the experience. Uh, the documentary is great. But uh, it's got stories galore that weren't even in there. You know, Mike Bayrak, uh, John Sexmas, a buddy of mine from Edmonton, his son Joel plays at the U of A. He was a, a first-round uh, draft pick in the WHL Bantam draft. And he used to tell me, oh, I'm skating with this guy, Mike Bayrak. He's a hell of a player, Bob. He's a good mind. He, he should be good enough to play in the A. But he was a really good player in that league. He was one of the – I mean, you guys had some skill. You guys had some scores. Uh, he was one of your finishers. But you know what else you had? You had a pretty unique guy in James Galante that owned the team. Um, that his allegiance, uh, if you look it up on uh, on Wikipedia, is to the uh, Genovese crime family. <laughs> so uh, I met his. What's his son's name? Is it JP? Is that his son's name? What's his son's AJ, name? AJ. AJ. I met AJ. I, I met AJ Galante last year. He was part of the. Uh, the River Cree Resort and Casino at Edmonton's. I've uh, been on the show for like you know the uh, twelve years at Chet, and they had the like sort of the the toughest guys on skates competition it was going on. Ice is war or something, right? Ice yeah, yeah and you and he was in town. I met him, and you'd just been on the <laughs> show like two weeks before. So I mean, can you maybe just educate our listeners of just how how much fun you had with that group? And he was like eighteen or nineteen at the time, wasn't he? The kid. Yeah, so so uh, the, the the bullet points of this, uh, the AJ was 18 years old. He loved playing the game of hockey. It was a big part of his life. He got he got injured, couldn't play anymore. His dad um, was running this this tr- trash conglomerate in the East Coast, and he basically was like, just bought AJ a, a hockey team and said, you're going to be the general manager. And AJ didn't believe him at first. Uh, he ends up being the GM, and he just hops on. Uh, he used to tell me all the time, he used to hop on like Hockey DB, and he'd just be looking up players and finding them different players. And, and, and he was looking at, you had to have a certain column that was over about whatever, five or six categories over that had to have pretty significant numbers in order for him <laughs> to even look at you. Uh, but uh, he would find that. And, and, and quite frankly, it was a really well-built team too, Bob. Like you mentioned, Bayrack and and we had Jeff Daw. We had you know Brent Gretzky was there. Like there was some pl- like there was some good talent. And there's players that uh, there because of the trickle down effect because of the lockout. Like there was American Hockey League quality players playing in the United Hockey League at that time, especially there because they got to make uh, a little bit more bucks than they normally would because of uh, the Galante family. So um, yeah, we were there. It was a blast. Uh, it was that those guys were intense. There was, uh, you know, Mr. Galante would be up in his 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 box and he would give hand gestures down to the bench. Next thing you know, there'd be a brawl on the ice, and I'm like, what is happening here? So uh, it was it was incredible. But we had a, a good team. Um, 
you know, it was it was an experience, and I still stay in contact with a lot of those guys today. Good for you. Uh, you mentioned Erie. Geez, I know a guy that played in Erie. Do you know what I'm saying? Back in 12-13 during – now, that was the year that you were uh, you were with the – now, was that around the time? I'm just trying to recall here. Uh, I think it was. It Was Was it the summer of 2011 you went to free agency? And Because uh, I may have yeah. known a guy that did a little bit of the analytics work on that. And uh, you, you maybe got a call at that stage. Was that the year the Oilers called you to, and offered you a three-year deal? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was that year. Yeah, see, so the next year you're uh, you're 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 back in the lockout in twelve thirteen, and that was Connor McDavid's rookie year with Yuri Otters. I'm sure you saw him. Did you know right away when you saw him just how good this guy was going to be? Yeah, you know it was kind of funny when you when I when I saw him for the first time, and it, it's I don't mean this as because uh, I. I, if you go back, just a little side game, go back and look at some of those Otters teams over the years that Connor was there, and uh, you got another good one there in Edmonton now with Connor Brown. They, those guys were fantastic together. But they, you start going over the roster that they've had, and the, like how many NHL players that are superstars, stars, uh, really good players. I mean, it, it's pretty incredible. But yeah, and it, it was it was funny too because uh, not. Not his rookie year, but you know, I saw him a little bit each year, and you could see kind of the progression. You knew that he was special right away. Um, but I remember the one year where they had their big squad, and and Dylan Strom was yeah. was there, and Dylan Strom was yeah, highly touted. Right, he went third overall. So obviously McDavid, Eichel, and then him. And I remember thinking to myself, like poor Dylan Strom, because he's such a good player, <laughs> yeah. a, a very talented player in the OHL. But I'm going there, and I'm watching Connor. And you see Connor on the ice. Then you see Dylan on the ice. And it's like Dylan Strom is not – I wouldn't say skating is the best thing for him, but he's not, like, terrible at it. But when you're coming off the heels of Connor McDavid, he'll be look awful. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, wait, this guy's supposed to be the next – you know, it shows a significant, you know, after Connor in that draft. Uh, Dylan's done awesome for himself in the NHL, and I, and I enjoy watching him play. But, yeah, I mean, you could tell the difference right there. All right, this kid's supposed to go a top-five pick potentially in the draft. That guy's supposed to go first overall. Uh, there's a pretty significant difference between the two of them. And uh, you start watching Connor the way he went about business um, in Erie, and it was it was great. I mean, every time he touched the puck, something positive happened. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I went into Erie twice, and uh, I think that Sherry Basson thought I was Jimmy Galante, okay, when I came in to see him. Uh, <laughs> as you know, the Oilers uh, Entertainment Group had assisted uh, Erie for a few years there uh, to help him out, and uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty memorable. Chris Knobloch's a buddy of mine. He was the coach of the team. He's with Hartford right now, the Rangers firm team. Uh, we're joined uh, by a former New York Ranger player himself, uh, had a lengthy NHL career, 600-plus games, Mike Rupp. Uh, Mike, I have a theory. Uh, by the way, Ryan O'Reilly was one of those guys who went into Erie as well uh, and ended up being a, a top pick for Erie in the, mid, in the midget draft in Ontario. My theory is, and I want people to listen clearly when I say this because I don't want anybody in Prince Albert uh, or Erie to get upset, But when because when, it's like Edmonton in the NHL. Okay, Edmonton isn't everybody's first choice destination in the NHL. Prince Albert um, and Erie might be not everybody's first choices in the WHL 
uh, or OHL, but they're great communities. And when kids commit there, it tells you everything. Like Leon Drysaddle went to uh, PA. Connor went to Erie. It tells you a lot about their character, and we've experienced that here at Edmonton. Not everybody wanted to come to Edmonton at times, mostly because the perception was the team wasn't great, but also you get the the negative Nellies on the city. And I think it just it, I think it says I'm not surprised there's as many players out of Erie that have made it because I think they want it more when they go into those markets, Mike. No, I 100% agree, and uh, even I, I think the things even when you're. Thinking back, and everybody's got their own views and, and what you're told when you're that age playing in the CHL. But, you know, at that time, I'm coming up in the OHL. There's obviously the Q and the dub. And we all kind of had, or at least in our locker room, we described what we thought the difference was in each league. And I'll tell you from my career in dealing with, with, with players, teammates, watching players now, and I, I, I put a – extra emphasis on players out west for this standpoint the travel is incredible to how much the the difference in travel from the ontario hockey league or the quebec major junior hockey league to the out west is incredible the things that they've got to go through i think it had to be in the nhl i played in the eastern conference most of my career the west it's significantly worse like so it's 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 some adversity you got to deal with and players that kind of grow up like i just found in my career the players out west were less high maintenance like they just came and they did a job and they could deal with the adversity and i'm not that's very generalization because there's a lot of ones that dig in and in the queue and, and and from the o and from Michigan and all these different places, but um, yeah, I found that to be something that was really stuck out, stood out to me. It's like, and when you go to one of these places like Erie, um, it's not London. It's not the London Knights. You know, it's not that factory they have there. That's an NHL team, basically. It yeah. doesn't feel like that in Erie. But I'll also tell you, Connor McDavid went to a high school, a huge high school in Western Pennsylvania, with like five thousand students, and nobody paid attention that he was Connor McDavid. That had to have been a big weight off his shoulder. He could live a normal life. He can go to a movie theater. Those guys used to go every Wednesday and they go to the Chinese buffet or whatever it was. They can do that. That would never happen in Kitchener. It would never happen in London. Or Edmonton. Or Edmonton. Edmonton, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I I think that's huge. I think it's really big because the players can be teenagers. They're still kids, man. they got to be happy, right? And I think they're able to do that in a place like that. From the NHL Network, Mike Rupp, you use the term dig in. And to me, uh, dig in is the difference between Edmonton and Toronto with their stars. The last two playoff years, you can, and granted, the Oilers got to continue to build a better team, but Edmonton's played as many playoff series as any team in the league the last two years. Jay Woodcroft, since he took over as head coach, has the second best record in the NHL since February 10th of 2022, since he took over. Um, but McDavid and Dreisaitl, the last two playoff years, the numbers just speak for themselves. You know, they speak for themselves. So Connor led the league in playoff scoring last year. Leon lead the, led the league in goal scoring this year in the playoffs. And he didn't play the final two rounds. Evan Bouchard, you know, because of the strength of that order's power play, led the league uh, in defense scoring in the playoffs. Dig in. When you have your top two guys dug in like that, and then I look at the Leafs, all due respect, Toronto, it's something that Brad Treleving's going to have to work with. I don't sense the same dig in factor from specifically Matthews and Marner, who I think are Toronto's two best players. Uh, now, Toronto won a series. Probably shouldn't have won the series this year. Probably should have won the series a year ago against Tampa. Do you buy what I'm selling, or do you think I'm off base? No, I, I think you're bang on. And, and here's the thing. So I, I kind of had a 
um, a video that kind of went around the, the, the yes. hockey corners last year on Austin Matthews. And, and I think the perception is I don't like Austin Matthews as a player, which couldn't be further from the truth. I think Austin Matthews coming in or two years ago, like he was hands down, he was the MVP, and, and he won. And, yep. and he the hard trophy. Like he, he was the best player, um, you know, or most valuable to his team, I thought, in that, that season. And there, there's other players. Obviously, Connor's always going to be in that conversation, Leon. Um, but So I, I like him. I guess the frustrating thing for me is that he is all world. He is a phenomenal player. He might be the best Toronto Maple Leaf or one of the best Toronto Maple Leafs right now of all time. But until someone teaches him, gets his ear, and he's got to be willing to listen, they will not win anything because they lack some things. If your stars aren't willing to do certain things, then even if some of the players underneath them are willing to, it's just not it's just not cohesion, right? And here's a perfect example. The video I did was in, in whatever, uh, Austin Matthews, he always gets that smirk, that smile, like he's too cool for to get involved with that stuff. And I don't want him getting involved with that stuff. But every once in a while, just look like you're in it with your teammates because people notice. And I've been one of those players that's been on teams where maybe some guys feel like they're above kind of sticking up for other people or above, you know, finding other ways to, to win and sacrificing um, certain things. But I'll tell you what, when – a whole other side story. When when Petro came over with that tomahawk chop on Leon, yeah, who was the first I was guy laying there? on the couch? I was laying on the couch. I swear to you, I'm watching laying on the couch. I broke out in a sweat and I jumped up and I said, "Yes, that's it right there." Who was the first guy? Connor came flying over, zero hesitation, flies over. Do I want Connor McDavid fighting? Absolutely not. I never want to see him drop his gloves ever again. But it's not about fighting. This is about showing up for your teammate and without hesitating. And that, to me, is why they are light years ahead of the Toronto Maple Leafs until those guys figure it out. Because you know what? The Pittsburgh guys figure that out. Mal- that, that, that's the problem in Pittsburgh, though, is that it's Malkin, Crosby, and Latang are the three guys that play with the most jam. They need some more of it from other players. But the, the, the thing is, is, that's a huge difference between the Edmonton Oilers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Until their stars figure it out, it's always going to hold this team back. Final question for you, Mike. We got about a minute left, uh, and I asked George this yesterday when he was on the air: Are the Edmonton Oilers a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, in your opinion? A top, maybe a top six or top eight team in the league, right from the get-go? Yeah, they are. They are. I, I believe that they are, and I think it's always going to be continuing to work and get better. Um, they, they do a very good job of what their strengths are. They keep their strengths, and it's about just trying to make maybe what is not a weakness, but things that they aren't so good at. You you want to bring it up. I I think that the problem too often is that people and teams individually and as teams, you focus so much on what a team is not. Oh, well, they don't defend or they don't do this or they don't do that. And we need to change and be that. How about what you are? And this team is electrifying. So, and and that's something they haven't strayed from. So uh, I think that, you know, a full year of Matias at home, I think Evan Bouchard took a big step, and I'm expecting even more from him. They've got a big D. They're going to defend better. Uh, this team, yeah, I put them in. I put them top five in the NHL right now. Okay, mark my word, because we've had this conversation before in Evan, he, I, and I believe he's doing a two-year bridge. It's going to come in 3.85 to 3.95 or so. In one of the next two years, assuming he plays a full season, given how good that power play is, he's going to put up a 25-50-75 season with the Oilers. It's, it's coming. Well, I believe it. I believe it. You're the one that told me about it, and I was paying attention. That's what makes that trade 
so good last year, too, yeah. is uh, Tyson Berry was a good fit, but Matias Ekholm's what they need, and this opens up opportunity for Evan Bouchard. Great hit. Thanks for your time, Mike. All right, thanks, buddy. Talk to you anytime. Yep, yep, you bet. That is Michael Rupp. He won a Stanley Cup uh, in New Jersey as a member of the Devils. Had successful uh, tenures with the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Rangers as well. Spent most of his career. He uh, was a first-round draft choice of the New York Islanders in 1998. Did not sign. Went back in the draft, and the Devils plucked him off in the third round. And he ended up playing 600 games in the league. And he is... Not a shrinking violet. You can tell that. Uh, and I 100% agree with them on what makes uh, Connor. And you know what? I've had general managers and other teams tell me that. Your two top guys are dug in. That's why you got a puncher's chance every year that they're there. Some guests and winners now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. You can follow the sizzle to 99.90 Jasper Avenue. Tell Chris and Chef Eltaf that Oilers now sent you. And the Oilers now injury reports brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, the gang of James H. Brown. Proud supporters of the Edmonton Oilers, the Edmonton Elks. Of course, Trent Brown, a two-time CFL All-Star 93 Great Cup winner with the then named Edmonton Eskimos. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. 150 plus years of experience. It's this simple. They're the best. They get you the best results. Off to a global news weather traffic update. Randy Kilburn. And when we come back for Legacy Heating and Cooling, John Shannon.